Welcome to Day Zero Update for February 4th, 2024. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. Hi, Brandon Parkins. And I'm Deandra Victorio. And yeah, we've got a busy week this week of news. Uh, we had the PlayStation State of Play. Mm-hmm. Had a bunch of stuff to look forward to uh, here in the near future and some later stuff. Uh, as well as announcement of another one of those hitting for a highly anticipated game from this month. Mm. Uh, later this week, um, we got news of a game being delayed, a game that's coming out pretty soon. Uh, we got a new uh, guitar controller mm. heading to the market that people have been waiting uh, years for so they don't have to overpay for guitars for a certain game. Mm. Uh, we got... A news of an acquisition. Yep. Uh, we got another layoff for this week. Mm-hmm. Luckily, not as bad as last week, but still, things are going on. And uh, yeah, that's we're going to cover a bunch of stuff this week. But before we do that, we'll talk about what we've been playing, and I'll kick it off here. Mm-hmm. I'm playing some Brotato, which has come out on the consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, five bucks for it. It's... Uh, Vampire Survivor's clone, but goes in a bit of a different direction than most of those tend to go, hmm. as uh, this one has the styling of a Binding of Isaac mm-hmm. to it. Uh, a little bit of the, the sort of items and such that you can pick up kind of have that mm-hmm. vibe, too, of just there's a ton of different weapons and uh, items that you can pick up to boost stats and, you know, debuff stats and all that kind of stuff. Um as well as the uh, the main thing that makes it different is that it's wave-based versus the many of the others in the genre where you're just kind of hanging out in a big open space for, you know, 5, 10 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Usually before, usually a big boss comes and kills you pretty quickly unless you've uh, spec'd up pretty well. Yep. Um, Rotato doesn't do that. You go through, at least from what I've seen, 20 waves. Mm-hmm. Of enemies, you're in kind of a more enclosed space of uh, various types of enemies that will spawn in. Usually, it goes slower at first, uh, some easier stuff mm. for like 15 seconds, and then it adds maybe five seconds every round, whatever it is. Um, so it kind of lasts longer. But along the way, you're picking up up to six weapons, all of which you are kind of equipping at once. You have um, miraculously six different hands to hold those weapons. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of dealing with that. Um, and those have tiers to them. So if you pick up, you know, a basic pistol and then get another pistol, you can combine those to make a level two pistol. Um, I'm not sure what the max is, but, you know, you get two level twos to turn into a three and so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, along the way. But you can also just get uh, higher tier weapons Showing up between rounds, uh, you get a pick of, you know, uh, four, I think, usually items or weapons mm. to pick. So you're kind of looking at what you have, uh, seeing if you need to make upgrades. And smartly, it'll tell you, like, oh, this, you know, this weapon did X amount of damage in the last re- you know round, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. So you can be like, okay, this one's not pulling its weight. This might be a better one to go for, mm. that kind of stuff. Uh, but you can also lock stuff in the shop. So if you're like, I can't afford this right now, but I can take it next round, uh, you can have them ho- hold it for you for the next round kind of thing. Um, but yeah, also items just kind of are things you can hold infinitely, so you can kind of just, and they also appear in your character. So 
your character can look pretty goofy as you get like 10 to 15 rounds into a, a run kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, you're kind of playing around with how all your stats go. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty fun game. It's kind of chaos. At mm-hmm. a certain point, you can get, you know, turrets that shoot at enemies and help you kind of mow them down. Trees will show up, which drop uh, an unspecified food that you can eat to regain health kind of stuff. You can also get like a, a garden that shows up that will spawn food every so often, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But at the end of rounds, the all the food that's laying around will be uh, brought to you uh, automatically. So you don't have to go after them if you don't need it but it can be helpful, mm. uh, especially because you can get perks. I had one perk that every time I shot down one of those trees, a turret spawned, so it was very helpful to knock those down as fast as possible, uh, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's really tough. I've played uh, probably a couple of hours this past week and did not beat a run yet. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as you complete... Uh, the the challenges that they show mm-hmm. in the game, the you unlock new characters, all of whom have you know various different kinds of buffs and stats and all that kind of stuff. Some have like special stuff going on. I forget what it was called. Mm. But of an explorer, uh, they make the arena like thirty three percent bigger. So the arena is kind of just a bit bigger than your screen will be, so that you know you kind of have to scroll around a little bit and have some. Uh, part of the arena that you don't see kind of stuff, but that makes it much bigger and they'll have different buffs like that one might have less, maybe more focused on melee attacks kind of stuff. It's supposed to be like a a survival game kind of character, but they have uh, a bunch of stuff that unlocks. And yeah, this this is on Game Pass for console and PC, so you can check it out there. It's perfect for the daily achievement stuff for Microsoft Rewards because you just play until you get one to unlock. And you just pause it and go do something else and let it stay yeah. in the, the game resume stuff. So uh, you can let that sit until the next day when you need it for yeah. that stuff. But uh, yeah, I've it's got like 59 achievements and trophies uh, to it. So it's one of the biggest of those that the, the systems allow. Um, but a lot of them are for beating with different characters, beating runs with different characters and at the different difficulties. Uh, I'm still stuck on danger zero it yeah. goes up to danger five i think uh but if i can't beat it on the basic one uh, i can't play any other so that's kind of the big challenge it's probably the toughest of them all because it's really easy to kind of just run into enemies and just lose a bunch of health really quickly but yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of those trophies also uh, require you to get some ridiculous amounts of stats so like adding to your max hp and getting it from like 20 to 100 or getting your HP regeneration to like negative five, a bunch of weird stuff like that, yeah. which seem like fun ways to kind of mess around for rounds, see like what the extreme ends of some of these stats look like. That's maybe a way to get overpowered or whatever, but uh, it's still a pretty fun time yeah. uh, for a game that uh, is now on the consoles. The only downside really is that it has a lot of those kind of stat based um, rewards. For yeah. like you know, killing I think you get first ones like three hundred enemies, then a thousand, then you know, five thousand, ten thousand. That it doesn't show you the tracking for any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's doing it on its own, but uh, even the the achievement based tracking that the switch the the PS5 and the 
uh, the Xbox has is not being used at all. Uh, so that kind of stuff is a, a little bit frustrating. You might have to play more uh, than you might think. Yeah. Uh, just trying to hope that kind of stuff drops. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. Uh, but definitely on the tougher side of one of those. So you may have to play more, but it doesn't have any sort of meta game progression between round, you know, between runs or anything. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about um, collecting a ton of currency to upgrade meta stats, but that also means it doesn't get any easier unless it just happens to be one of those other characters yeah. you unlock uh, happens to be easier for you. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's Potato. Pretty good game. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Um, I played a little bit of Persona 3 Reload, basically up to the point where I think we're about to go into Tartarus yeah. uh, to deal with that, so that means Iori just shows up mm-hmm. uh, to be like, hey, everybody, what's going on? Yep. And then you're like, what the fuck is he doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, Sonata found him crying in a, at the, you know, the, the mini mall or whatever. Yeah. Uh, at, after midnight. So that's the whole thing. If you were hoping that they were going to go easy on the evoker usage, uh, the intro video shows at least four or five times of people shooting themselves in the heads yep. with those. So especially the, the big moment where your main character uh, evokes the, their persona for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go into a whole big thing for that as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, story-wise, it seems largely the same. They maybe added some things to flesh things out a little bit uh, from mm-hmm. what I've seen so far, but I think a lot of the, the additional stuff they've done is probably on side characters, mm-hmm. not necessarily on main storyline stuff. Yeah, probably a lot more on you know side things characters can do and all that. Uh, I've seen uh, screenshots of uh, a little bits with a, a dog, the the dog character talking to another dog. Mm-hmm. They're just barking and growling at each other. That's the story bit. So you know they put it in the right places. Mm. Um. But yeah, there's not really too much else that seems hugely new yet, at least not until I get to combat. Uh, they do have a rewind mechanic. Mm-hmm. So that if you maybe go past something and forget to do something, you have the option to potentially rewind uh, a set amount of times. But obviously where I'm at, I have no reason to do that. There's nothing I would be missing right now in the first like week or two of the game of the year calendar. Thing. Yeah. So... Haven't really tried any of that out yet, but it seems pretty good so far. Just mm-hmm. more Persona with, uh, without the uh, Persona Three portable stuff. The the yeah. female main character, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, it seems like they they probably kept a lot of more of the the quality of life stuff that that brought in, mm-hmm. as well as the stuff from you know Persona Four Gold and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and Persona Five. So. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely Persona Five. Uh, you can definitely tell that they uh, learned the lessons from Persona Five and sort of brought them in for this. So, yeah, I mean, even stylistically, it has a lot of parts reminiscent of Persona Five, but that's completely fine because Persona Five is amazing. So yeah, so yeah, there's that. Uh, that is on Game Pass as well as uh, PlayStation and PC, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other game I've been playing a good bit of is Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, which I am in Chapter 3, uh, shortly after the 
uh, Sector 7 plate has fallen mm-hmm. and caused a lot of damage. Yeah. And has uh, a lot of characters shook. As yep. Barrett, Barrett, Tifa, and Cloud are kind of trying to deal with the aftermath of that and the yep. the parts of Avalanche that have all been wiped out in one fell mm-hmm. swoop. And dealing with the, uh, the you know the fallout of Shinra pulling this wild ass move in retaliation to their their terrorism essentially. Yep. Uh, so that's been fun. Uh, I got through all the the Corneo stuff, which was pretty fun. It wasn't as involved as I was expecting it to be. Mm. Um, but then I looked up what the what you need to do to get all the dresses, and that certainly seems like some. JRPG bullshit they would pull. Yep. Uh, which is all based on how many side quests you do in certain chapters for mm-hmm. each of the characters. So since I did them all, I got all the best ones. So mm. that was fine for me. But uh, at least the the guys I saw were like, I just use the chapter select uh, to do the certain amounts you need to do, and you'll be fine. Mm. Then you have to replay through the Corneo chapter to get the the progress saved on that so it's like all right at least that doesn't require three full playthroughs of it mm. uh, still requires a good bit uh for that but uh yeah that's uh that's pretty much what i've been doing so brayden how about you uh well i finished uh pokemon scarlet um and i will admit like the last third of that game um when you actually get to area zero is surprisingly kind of dark for a Pokemon story. I mean, it's still Pokemon, so we're not exactly talking, you know, persona levels of dark here, but it's it it has stuff to do with like time travel and robots and stuff and for a personic for a Pokemon game, it's surprisingly intricate. <laughs> um but, you know, after I finished it, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> um any of the stuff that, you know, I want to see for the DLC, I can just see on YouTube. But, yeah, um, it was, you know, enjoyable and fun while it lasted. But I could totally understand why it got sort of a mixed reaction when it came out. Because um, even now, the game still has a lot of bugs um, to deal with. Um, a lot of pop-up and stuff like that. But it's better. Um other than that, uh, I uh, started playing a little infamous visual novel called Class of 09, which, uh, if you've never heard of this, it's a Western visual novel that basically takes sort of the concept of the basic sort of high school romance story and turns it on his head. Um, for one thing, it takes place in a um, American high school in 2008. And if you were one of those people who went to high school in the early to mid-aughts, this game is going to be a serious mind screw because it is uncanny how accurate it is. Um, like the, the, the way people talk, the way they dress, how they approach culture and references and everything. It's like it's, it's a real time capsule of that particular era, humor included. Um, somebody once called this the ghost stories dub, the visual novel version, and that's a pretty good way of describing it. The humor here is super dark and it goes into some really messed up territory. Um, because the character that you're playing as Nicole, 
Uh, she straight up admits to you at the very beginning of the game, she is a sociopath. She does not like people. She barely tolerates other people. She doesn't have a really good relationship with her mom. She basically has a drug habit that she's nursing with like prescription painkillers because uh for those you don't know the early aughts is kind of when the ep opioid epidemic really started to ramp up here in the u.s and you know pill popping started to become a major problem in a lot of high schools uh in uh here in the u.s uh and yeah um that's like one of the major plot lines um and the thing is the school that she goes to you understand why she's so terrible because basically 95% of everyone in that school are awful, awful people at best. A lot of them are just very stupid and vapid. A lot of the rest of them are legitimately terrible people. Uh, pretty much every one of the, of the teachers you get involved that you encounter with either are criminals, abusive, uh or you know manipulative grooming or they are just completely uh they just do nothing about it there's like and this game is one of those games where the humor is extremely dark that doesn't mean that the game also doesn't necessarily take some of this stuff seriously there are endings involving stuff like you know drug abuse homelessness suicide stuff like that and there's like one whole ending that involves a school shooting. It's it's both a really, really good time capsule of that era and also like just the takes all the things that suck about, you know, American high schools and shoving it all into one place. Um, some of it is still really funny, though, uh, and there are parts of it that are legitimately like... I mentioned ghost stories. Do you guys know what ghost stories is? No. Okay. Ghost stories is this anime that was, uh, it was out in Japan and it did okay, but it didn't really make all its budget back. So ADV who were the, you know, back in the day, they were like the king, the Kings of like, you know, localizing anime back in the old days. Um, they managed to get the license for it on the cheap and the off the holders of the license basically told them, you know what, because this thing didn't really do a whole lot of good money for us, we'll gift you to this cheap and we'll even basically let you do whatever you want to do with the dub. Um, you know, as long the only thing you can't do is you can't change the name of the characters. You can't change the name of the ghosts they come in contact with and the plot has to more or less be the same. And what they ended up doing is creating basically the modern equivalent of an abridged anime series. The dub for Ghost Stories is legendary for just how over-the-top insanely hilarious it is. And it's filled with like that very edgy sort of mid-2000s humor, um, which is obviously pretty problematic in a modern context, but... Even today, uh, with all that said, still pretty funny. That's basically what Class of 09 is in a nutshell. Um, and I kind of love it for, for it for that. Um, they also made a sort of anime short film by like an actual anime studio, Tohei, um, that you can see on YouTube. I actually linked to it on Facebook. It's actually really funny um, and also pretty dark as well. But yeah, so I've been playing that. And also, like Chris, I've been playing Persona 3 Reload, and much like him, I also haven't gotten terribly far in it. Um, but 
they definitely went a long way to you know improving like the quality of life type stuff in the game um you know it's the better saving points and stuff like that um you know everything is like walkable and it's just in general it's a it's a better game than the original was pretty much um and yeah it's really obvious that they are taking lessons from persona 5 because there's a lot of aesthetic choices they make here that are straight out of persona 5 um visually um but yeah it's pretty good um but uh yeah that's what i've been playing so dan rib what about you yeah um so over the course of the week i caught covid so i'm like all right i get to play some games um but anyway yep. before that uh last week the game that i couldn't talk about was uh grand blue fantasy relink mm-hmm. uh, came out of c games and uh published i think it was xseed and yeah uh Sci games actually invited me to play the game a few months ago in san francisco and i came away liking what i played but i didn't really really like the whole idea of it so for those of you unfamiliar with the grand blue series it's really, really popular in Japan. It's one of those gotcha, uh, gotcha JRPGs. Um, but each one of the reasons why it's so popular is because there's so many characters, and each character has their own lore. And you know, they, they they've done a real good job with that over there. They've produced a few anime, and here in the states, they've um, done uh, two fighting games, and I believe the the mobile game is is here now too. But although I, I've never tried it out because it's not really my thing. Um, but yeah, so this game has been in development hell for like over seven years. I think it was originally announced to PS4. And um, yeah, so it's finally here uh, despite uh, every delay. And yeah, the game has wonderful uh, production value. Like I don't think I've ever played a, a JRPG with the uh, cutscenes uh, looking as, as nice as this one as far as the anime style. Like, you know, I have nothing but good things, good things to say about Final Fantasy XVI. Um, but this, as far as like uh, the art style goes like really works well for it. Um, it has an, a lot of nice voice talent, and then Nobu Yamatsu um, does the soundtrack. So you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, good things going for this game. And uh, for me, like it's 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 really really fun. Um, but here's the problem. Um, when I first previewed the game, uh, I thought this would be an issue because the the game is not an open world. It's it's level based, so it's similar to that of like uh, Kingdom Hearts three. Or um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other level-based uh, JRPGs, but yeah, the lack of an open world really makes it seem sort of disjointed, and you know, it's just, it's, it's just uh, harder to go through that way. However, um, because the levels are you know linear and and, and things like that, it, it allows it to really flow well. So that's one thing that I didn't get to appreciate uh, in the demo uh, that I get that, that I get to do now. And the other cool thing about it. Uh, is the game is only about 12 hours long as far as its main story goes. So, you know, if, if you're looking for a JRPG to play, which you'll have, you know, no, no trouble doing because we have like a dragon right now. We have persona, as you guys mentioned, we're going to have final fantasy seven rebirth coming out at the end of the month. Uh, but yeah, this one is really, really short at, at 12 hours. So if you really want to enjoy a fun story, uh, this could be it. But yeah, what really sets this game apart is that it's kind of a combination of both um, FF 16 and I want to say a monster hunter. Uh, just because its level-based um, mechanic just really gives off that vibe, and you really have, or uh, you, you have this, this hub world um, where you can just go ahead and prepare your loadouts. You know, um, ha- have the best characters for for whatever you want to do, and the battle system itself is very FF16. 
you know, you can um, do your melee strikes with the square button. Uh, triangle is uh, for completing your combos. You can use a circle button to link up attacks. Um, you can dodge with the R button. The R2 button allows you to change your um, um, attacks to, to magic and things like that. And the cool thing about this game is that you can, uh, every character you use will feel different. So it kind of has that fighting game vibe. and. Um, it ends up being like real fan service for people who are really into the series. Uh, it doesn't really work out for me just because, like, you know, obviously I'm new to it. But yeah, um, the real key to this game is just finding out the, the, the good character combos you can use throughout each level and then going from there. And the post game has a lot to it, too. And that's where that that's really where the game opens up. Um, when you if you decide to play online, um, people can can join you uh, whenever they want. So that's why I compare it to Monster Hunter, except it's a little bit easier in that regard because like the uh the levels really aren't all that hard. Um and yeah. Like, you know, despite how I feel about the story, um I think the game is really fun and just the production value really uh shines here. So, you know, if, if they want to make more games in the future or just uh really keep keep updating this game to add more side quests and more content, I'd probably be all for it just because it's just that it's just that enjoyable. Um, so yeah, that's Grand Blue. Uh, the review is out on the site. I gave it a three. Good game. And then uh, the other game I've been playing is still um, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Um, I'm over 30 hours into the game, and I think I'm around halfway through. At least that's what the uh, PlayStation um, status thinks of it. it. It says 50%, so I'm going to assume that's around halfway. And uh, yeah, it's it's really fun so far. I think last week we left off at me or at Ichiban meeting up with Kiryu. Mm-hmm. Uh, different from the main games and uh now i've uh, reached a point where kiryu has to go back to japan and then you end up using him and other characters and then um ichiban is back in hawaii and you get to use um him and their characters um i, I haven't gotten to a point where, where, where you switch back to ichiban yet i'm i'm exploring japan as as kiryu and it's it's, it's really really cool um kiryu uh has has um he's pretty much like adopted a lot of the ways uh that, that that Ichiban thinks like if, if you played like a dragon um, or Yakuza Seven, you'll remember that every time you enter a battle, all of a sudden uh, the enemies turn into random things because Ichiban really believes he's a hero. Um, Kiryu never really went through any of that. I mean, obviously, if you played the other Yakuza games, it was just to beat him up. Um, but um, all of a sudden, when you use Kiryu all by himself, he all of a sudden has those visions too. So he's sort of like becoming a hero in his own regard. But either way, when you're um, when you're exploring Eugene show, you can come across these uh, these shiny things in the ground. And when you walk up to them, they pretty much are memories of uh, various uh, things that he's had in, through through every game. And it's it's a little tough for me because um, I haven't played Yakuza uh, three through five, no three through six, so I don't really have um, a lot of the a lot of the filler there. But it's really cool seeing Kiryu just you know um, reminisce about the, the way things used to be, along with the newer characters in the game. But then, you know, going back to the Ichiban side, um, I just love the fact that they uh, did Hawaii so well. You know, I was just there, like, mm, around a year ago. And, you know, just just, just seeing uh, the, the, the authenticity uh, with how they do it is really surprising. Like, there's a, there's a side quest where you have to be a, a food server. And, you know, you have to serve a Lokomoko, a Hopia, um, Mahi Mahi, and all these, like, Hawaiian staples. And... Like, I, I think it's assuming that, you know, the player has never been there or had Hawaiian food because you end up having to um, memorize these food items and get them to uh, specific people at specific times. Kind of like um, 
uh, Diner Dash, but, you know, not quite with that uh, level of um, gameplay. And, you know, yeah, just a, a lot of these uh, side quests have been um, absolutely insane. Uh, there was another where this kid is running a lemonade stand and you have to help him serve it to um, a bunch of other people. And then um, the, the reason why he's not doing very well is just because he, he lacks advertising power. And all of a sudden this uh, girl shows up who ends up being an influencer and hashtags everything and, and, and makes the lemonade sell better. And um, yeah, it's it, it's really cool. Like a, a lot of the side quests are definitely very yakuza, but it's really the um, the venue of Hawaii and and the setting of Hawaii that really makes it what it is. And I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I I just did, I I, or I just fought um, uh, what's his name, uh, Danny Trejo and Daniel Day Kim as bosses. Like you know, I, I'm not gonna tell you like a, who who these guys are in the story, but like you know, but what they end up being really. Uh, capture their performances really well and it, it doesn't feel like they're just celebrities in here to be celebrities so um yeah uh like a dragon infinite wealth is like one of the best games i've played in a while and like you know just just the first four hours of the game are already better uh than the than the than the original and i'm looking forward to seeing how it ends that's about it all right let's get to some news and the first one here is something you can play for free right now uh, there's a demo now for Nintendo game that is coming out, uh, let's see, in about two weeks. I don't know, end of next week, that you may have forgotten is coming out that soon. Mario vs. Donkey Kong. Uh, this is the uh, remake of the general series, I think, um, that started on the, I think, the Game Boy originally, uh, as far as the this brand. I think kind of originally came from what donkey donkey kong 94 on the game boy um where you're playing as mario it's kind of a puzzle platformer essentially like in a, a little bit of a lemmings vein uh where you're kind of trying to get through these stages and uh use uh the the tools and such at your disposal to help guide yourself and your little mini marios uh to the goal uh, as well as collecting you know collectibles and that kind of stuff along the way uh, so you're doing that ultimately to face off against Donkey Kong that, uh, you know, is the the big bad here. Um, usually it's pretty fun puzzle platformers. Maybe not anything that's like amazing or revolutionary or anything here. But uh, yeah, this is uh, the newest version of that uh, coming out on the 16th next Friday. And yeah, you get a demo that can play the... Uh, four levels from the first world, and looks like the progress carries over, so uh, you can kind of get a little taste of what to expect from this game. So yeah, there you go. Is the uh, GBA game not a part of the um, online lineup? I don't think so. Okay, because it, it would be really weird if it was, and I'm like, uh, you can play that full game over there on the same platform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's good for people interested, and yeah, like you know, this 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 game fell off uh, a lot of radars, but you know, um, I, I I played it and reviewed it back in the day. It's definitely a fun one. Um, I don't know what they'll change, but yeah, it's definitely a uh, filler release, if anything. Yeah, I think it's a a mix of the original game and March of the Minis, which was the sequel, uh, which is where the Mini Mario's come into play. Uh, so yeah, I like the original. I like both of those. I don't think I ever beat them for whatever reason, but yeah, I'm trying to see what they're charging for this game. I think that will be vital to its success, but 
Uh, let's see, it's going to load up here. It shouldn't say 60 bucks, but I have a feeling 50 bucks. Okay. That's not too bad, but I think 40 would have been the sweet spot for that game. But there you go. Uh, for something else that's free that you can check out right now, uh, the team at Extremely OK Games, makers of Celeste, have announced a new thing that they have released for the sixth anniversary of Celeste, which is Celeste 64 Fragments of the Mountain. Uh, it's on, they have an itch page for it. They can check out it's not a full game, but it's about a week's worth of development by uh, the Celeste team. It kind of looks exactly how you might expect that to look. Uh, we got sort of a, a 3D platformer sorts uh, in the vein of uh, Celeste. So uh, really cool. It's out on PC on itch.io. Uh, There's a link here in the article. And yeah, definitely worth checking out uh, for some more Celeste goodness while you still wait for their next game, which I forget. I forget what their next game's called, but uh, that thing's supposed to be coming out this year or next. I forget when. I don't think they've had a date yet, but it feels like it's probably next year at the latest, but there you go for that. Um, and next up here, uh, we got a new Sony game got announced, MLB The Show 24, uh, announced for March 19th release uh, for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and Switch, uh, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on the cover. And much like the last couple of games, uh, it'll also be on Game Pass. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, seems like they'll be showing off the Collector's Edition here on Tuesday, the 6th. So we'll see that. Uh, let's see. They're going to keep doing the storylines stuff about, uh, I assume, more Negro Leagues players, much like the last one. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's any more big changes mentioned here, but I'm not sure that they've fully gone into all of this stuff just yet. So we'll see how that stuff goes, but there you go. You can check that out in March. Uh, also happening in March, no longer in February, Open Roads was delayed uh, from, I would say it was either the 22nd, yeah, February 22nd it was, uh, which was going to put it right before you know Final Fantasy VII Remake, as well as some other stuff. I'm going to look at the the... Yeah, the schedule thing I put up here. Yeah, same day as Pacific Drive with Brothers of Tale of Two Sons and uh, the week after and Skull and Bones, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Tomb Raider 1 and 3, 1 to 3, uh, out the week before. So kind of coming out at a, a rough time for that game to get some some available space, uh, though March 28th puts it right after Dragon's Dogma 2, Princess Peach Showtime, and Rise of the Ronin. So Still not a great time, but at least it's after a bunch of big games, not great before. Uh, so that's the, the bonus there, and they probably get a little bit of extra time to polish up for uh, the last few weeks of development here. So that'll hopefully be pretty good. So we'll see how that goes, but you can uh, check that out in about a month and a half now. Uh, let's see for what is next. Yeah, PDP has been teasing for the last couple of months that they were going to announce a new peripheral seemingly tied around the Fortnite festival, a uh, new guitar controller. And so we finally got that revealed. Uh, what do they call it? The rift master. 
Uh, it's basically a new wireless guitar coming to uh, PlayStation and Xbox. There'll be Xbox versions that work with the the series in the Xbox One and PlayStation version that works with PS5 or PS4. Uh, looks pretty good. Uh, looks similar, more similar to the the original kind of Guitar Hero controllers. Um, fully wireless. I think it even has a chargeable rechargeable battery. Uh, 3.5 millimeter audio jack. Uh, it has a thumbstick behind the guitar for, I assume, menu navigation. Uh, that kind of stuff. And yeah, they've got. Uh, let's see, it uses a foldable design, so that'll be. Oh yeah, I think the the neck folds back uh, behind the guitar, so that's pretty neat. The IGN has a bunch of screenshots here you can check out of the of it up and close, uh, which looks pretty cool. Um, People are expecting this to be pretty expensive because uh, these, I think the original Rock Band 4 controller was only $100, so this, people are expecting the $150 range. Still be a pretty decent uh, value for it because those are pretty expensive at this point in the secondary market for Rock Band 4. Uh, so that'll be kind of the main game it works for right now, Rock Band 4. Um, Fortnite Festival will probably be at a later date, but they haven't announced a release date or price or anything for that yet. So it may be launching alongside Fortnite Festival, kind of upgrading to support this thing. Because uh, right now it's just a pretty basic uh, four button rhythm game where you're generally using two D pad buttons and two face buttons to hit the notes. That kind of stuff, but yeah. So yeah, some new hope for some new instruments for people that want to jump into Rock Band 4 or want to kind of play Fortnite Festival as a new Rock Band game. So there you go on that. And uh, let's see. Uh, next up here, there is some more news on Power World. Nothing really of notes um, for any legal stuff, just... They have reached 12 million sales on Steam, which is a ridiculous amount, and apparently 7 million players on Xbox. Uh, no real uh, details on if that's purchase players, but it's on Game Pass, so probably mostly Game Pass people. Um, and that's apparently the highest, uh, most played you know, third-party game on Game Pass at launch, so that's a big deal for them. For this game that kind of came out of nowhere for Microsoft to kind of get that on Game Pass is a big deal for them. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, good news for the devs. Plenty of money to keep working on the the issues and uh, making that game better. So yeah, there you go on that front. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, uh, Square Enix has announced uh, an acquisition of Tokyo RPG Factory, which I didn't realize was uh, something they hadn't really owned so much, but they uh, are describing it as like a merger absorption type merger kind of thing. So that means uh, they get all the assets and liabilities of Tokyo RPG Factory. So all the financial uh, stuff dissolving the company to become either put the people on different teams in Square Enix or form a new studio at some point. We'll see how that goes, but 
not really surprised uh, too much because Tokyo RPG Factory kind of was uh, a big deal at one point. People thinking that Square was kind of getting back into making classic style of RPGs that they hadn't made in quite a while. And then the games they did make were at best kind of just solid, if not kind of just uh, lackluster, uh, which kind of feels like a lot of uh, other franchises they have, like the the Saga or Mana franchises of late. So. Yeah, this this story was kind of weird to me. I mean, obviously, like when Tokyo RPG Factory first came out, as you mentioned, we thought it was Square's way of getting back, you know, into the classical RPG style, which, you know, it was. But the reason why it's confusing to me is because I thought this was a Square studio. So I don't really know what it means for them to acquire it when I thought they already owned it. Maybe that wasn't the case. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, like you mentioned, the, the games that the, the factory produced, like uh, I Am Setsuna, uh, you know, that was average to me. And then Lost Fear came out after, which was fine, but kind of faltered in the end. And then I never even played Oninaki. So, yeah. Um, in the meantime, you have Team Asano, you know, working on some great things, including a bunch of the uh, HD 2D games, as well as, like, remakes of games like uh, Live Alive. And, you know, it seems that they've already been doing it without the factory, and I don't even know how much they were involved. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it makes sense in the end. Uh, it's just kind of weird that it happened. Yeah. So it's uh, a bit of weird news, but if you've been wondering what Tokyo RPG Factory has been doing, uh, it seems just like getting absorbed into the greater Square Enix uh, conglomerate structure. So there you go. Uh, next up here, we've got an update on Blizzard. As we talked about last week, their former president, Mike Ibarra, stepped down in the wake of the, uh, or not in the wake, but Alongside the the 1900 layoffs, uh, people being laid off last week, uh, not really as a result of any of that, just I assume because he does not want to be a part of the Microsoft machine, as that probably was the reason he left before. Then, coincidentally, the company he worked for got acquired by Microsoft, so made it kind of awkward as he, you know, once again left. Uh, but they have announced the new president is Johanna Ferries. Uh, who has been working with the company for uh, nearly five and a half years, served as the uh, lead of the Call of Duty eSports division, then uh, uh, was promoted to general manager for the Call of Duty series for the last uh, almost three years, uh, which means she has a, a big handle on managing you know, a big brand like that, uh, that's a lot of what general managers do, kind of oversee operations and all that. Uh, so it seems like a pretty good fit for Blizzard. Obviously, there's a lot of Blizzard people that are complaining about having a Call of Duty person in charge of uh, Blizzard, but the the Blizzard of 2024 is not the same one that made you know all the games people like Blizzard for, and that hasn't really been a thing for, like, say, six, seven, eight years. Uh, as sort of in the wake of Overwatch, they kind of changed a lot uh, with a, a lot of people. A lot of the original founders have left, and a lot of the big names that people associated with different games left. And so they've changed a lot over the years. So I think people should kind of update their their nostalgia and such for Blizzard. So we'll have to see how she does, but they're all answering to Matt Booty in Microsoft. So she may not have as much direct control as uh, 
she would have before the merger. So we'll see how this all goes. But uh, it's nice to uh, have her aboard. Uh, and yeah, you can read her sort of uh, introduction letter of sorts where she's telling people about uh, herself and all that kind of stuff and her her history in the, the games biz. So you can read that if you want, but there you go. Yeah, I, I saw a bunch of um, colleagues on LinkedIn uh, fairly pleased about this, so I hope she is awesome and does well. Yeah. And then we'll go to the, the other side of that coin. Uh, the Embracer Group uh, purchased Eidos Montreal from Square Enix and, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, the other studios from them as well over the over the last year. And seems like they... Uh, this particular team at Eidos Montreal was working on a new Deus Ex game. And it seems like that uh, was in pre-production, was slated to enter full production later this year. But it seems like Embracer Group was not either not happy about it or saw a chance to cancel a thing that would cost a lot of money, but while they have very little of that to spare at this point in in the wake of canceling that game, they let go of 97 people from the, the development team, administration, and support services. So Embracer Group continues to show how uh, poor of a decision a lot of their acquisitions have been. If they're going to you know, acquire these studios from Square Enix who were working on a Deus Ex game and not let them, uh, you know, actually make that a thing that people would actually want. Uh, seems like a hell of a way to alienate people even further and show kind of what the uh, the feelings for the Embracer group should be, which is they're a bunch of uh, people that have mishandled their money very poorly over the last few years, trying to take as much Saudi money as they can. And when uh, the Saudi uh, savvy group uh pulled out of the last bit of money they say they were going to invest in them. Uh, They've been on a killing spree of shutting down developers and laying off tons of people. And unfortunately that includes another 97 here to kick off uh, a bunch more stuff they're going to uh, do throughout this year. So more great times in the layoff sphere Uh, as a letter that Eidos Montreal put out on their Twitter account. If you want to read that, kind of talk about the global economic context of the layoffs and all this stuff. So it's kind of all whatever the Embracer Group uh, kind of forced everybody's hands here. And they're just going to seemingly slowly bleed to death if they don't figure out a way to release stuff that people want to buy. So there you go on that front. Uh, But let's get to some better news. Some brighter news here. The PlayStation State of Play happened this past week on Wednesday and shown off a bunch of stuff here. Uh, We'll kind of move through this pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, they started off showing off some Helldivers 2 because that is coming out this week on Thursday. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, Then we got our first big look at Stellar Blade, uh, the uh, game from a South Korean studio. That will be coming out April 26th. 
Uh, it's a big action, uh, is open world action RPG kind of game. Uh, but more in the vein of like the kind of Team Ninja style of action. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff to it, but set in a post-apocalyptic world where uh, humanity has left Earth to um, to avoid this alien presence that emerged on that you know suddenly showed up on Earth, and these uh, people, part of their military, I guess. Uh, that have been sent down to fight them and try to rid the world of them. Uh, you're playing as one of those people, Eve, uh, and sort of the very base kind of stuff they're working with. Uh, she meets a guy named Adam, and yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's it looks pretty good uh, for the act, kind of action game it's looking to be, so... That could be pretty neat. Uh, you can start pre-ordering later this week on the seventh uh, for that. And yeah, they have you know a bunch of pre-order bonuses and all that. But that seems pretty decent uh, for that stuff. So that was one of the big games. They said Stellar Blade and Rise of the Runner would be getting big showings here. So uh, that was one of those two. Uh, we did get some a uh, little bit of surprises. Uh, this one was a bit of a surprise. There's a Sonic Generations remaster coming this generation, uh, but they're adding a bunch of Shadow the Hedgehog content to it. So it's called Sonic Cross Shadow Generations. Uh, yeah, coming to everything. PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. That's out sometime this fall. So yeah, that's kind of a, a bit of a surprise there. Yeah, the main reason why it surprised me was because, you know, they just came out with uh, Superstars. Well, Superstars, right? In, uh, in October. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's roughly the same concept. But, you know, uh, Shadow is really, really popular in the Sonic community. So looking forward to this one. Yeah, we'll see if this one avoids being on sale for half off months after launch. Like Superstars. That would happen on the same week as Mario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next up, we got uh, a little teaser of Zenless Zone Zero, sort of officially confirming a thing we all assumed was going to happen, that it's coming to PS5. So uh, that'll be happening at some point. So there's no date. There's a handful of these announcements like, this thing's coming to PlayStation, bye. And that's what this is. So uh, that'll probably be sometime this year, hopefully. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, then we got a Foam Stars trailer. Uh, that is out on Tuesday. It's part of... Uh, PlayStation Plus, uh, the monthly games. And they basically started detailing their first season content uh, that they're calling a starry pop for the first season. As I said, it's going to be every five weeks, I think. Uh, yeah, it's going to have ranked party mode. Uh, yeah, complete. Yeah, you compete in two time, limited time seasonal events, uh, the solo based uh, ranked party Lone Star. And team-based ranked party by tribe vibe, which is a lot of weird-ass names here for things. Uh, there's extreme parties, uh, one or two special-themed modes. There's the all-melty party, uh, where everybody is melty, and the invisible party, where everyone is invisible. So, trying out lots of weird modes there. So that's a, a neat thing. Uh, there's going to have weekend-only party events. So you can try out the the next character that's going to be added in season two, I guess. 
Quoth guy. Okay. And then just announced more of the things they're planning for future seasons, which includes assuming almost a new character every season. Uh, season four has three new maps, so they're planning on adding a decent amount of new content every every month or so. Uh, with some new skins and all that kind of stuff to do. So I think that'll be pretty solid uh, for a live service game. We'll see how it does with it when it's out in, out in the public. Uh, but then, yeah, we got an update for Dave the Diver that it's coming to PS5 and PS4 in April. No specific date announced yet. Uh, so that's cool. Been looking forward to that. And then ended that trailer with an announcement that there will be a Godzilla collaboration DLC coming to all platforms in May. So if you thought uh, Dave dealing with uh, giant kraken creatures and whatever else weird stuff is in that ocean in the the big blue, uh, Godzilla's coming to fuck shit up as well. So there you go. That looks like it's going to be a fun time. And then, yeah, we got another game here that just said, hey, we're coming to PS5. It's V-Rising, which has been a fairly popular game on Steam. Uh, for the last year or so uh, from Stunlock Studios. It's a an action RPG, a Diablo-like, uh, but with survival elements to it. So you're doing some crafting and base building type stuff, I think, as well. Uh, but the the big hook is that it's vampire time. Uh, I, I think you're fighting vampires uh, that have awoken. So, yeah, that'll be coming to uh, PS5 uh, later this year. I assume probably alongside a 1.0 release, or maybe it'll be part of the early access. I don't know, but uh, I've heard good things about that game, so that might be well worth checking out. And then, yeah, we got a a Silent Hill block here of two games. Uh, The first one is a brand new Silent Hill game, Silent Hill Short Message, uh, which is out now as a free game. Uh, Seemingly Konami figured out how to make their own PT, so they did that. Uh, features a new character, Maya, who is dealing with a lot of bullying and such, uh, considers suicide, and sort of as she's about to do that, she gets transported to Silent Hill, essentially, and deals with all the the weird stuff that comes with that. So uh, you can check it out now, kind of see some of the, the tech stuff that I guess they're working on with for the other Silent Hill games, so... I had not really seen too much about it, but uh, Silent Hill fans kind of grumbling that they don't quite get the story stuff with Silent Hill, so may not be that good, but it's something. Then we got the Silent Hill 2 trailer that mainly showed off combat stuff. Uh, still no real details on release, so that may still be late this year or early next year or something. Who knows? But, yeah. Uh, showing that off. So there you go. There's your Silent Hill 2 block. Uh, Silent Hill 2 is coming to PS5 and PC. So there you go for that. Um, but yeah, then we got Judas here. Uh, Judas is, uh, let's see. Yeah, it's the new Ken Levine game with Ghost Story Games. Uh, we got to see some gameplay there with uh, uh, some very heavy handed messaging that seems like Ken Levine trying to. Uh, I don't know, go all in on his personal politics, which are not great uh, for anybody that's been following that stuff. Uh, Yeah, 
as uh, the description here is, uh, let's see, the game's setting aboard the Mayflower, a spacefaring city whose citizens are trained to tear each other apart for even the most minor infractions, and where machines control every aspect of business, art, and government. You, as Judas, are the driver of every event in a mysterious story with a new cast of characters to get to know and to change in a world where every decision you make affects how the story unfolds. The leaders tried to turn you into something you're not, a model citizen, and you sparked a devastating revolution to tear it all down. Will you fix what you broke or leave it all to burn? Which seems like pretty heavy-handed messaging about, you know, cancel culture and all the, the AI stuff and all that. So, yeah, there you go for that. That's coming to PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, and PC. Uh, no date yet, so there you go for that. Uh, we got some uh, VR stuff here. A couple of games here. Uh, Metro Awakening, a new Metro game set in that universe. Uh, coming to PSVR 2 and the various PC VR platforms uh, out later this year. Uh, so that looks pretty cool. Uh, with the the Metro series author and creator, Dmitry Glukowski, uh, also working on it, so... Uh, that's pretty cool. That's definitely a series that seems like it would fit pretty well with VR, uh, with all that ability to kind of uh, uh, manage all the environmental stuff and all the mass stuff that you got to deal with as well. So, yeah, that'll be coming out later this year. Uh, and then the other one we got is Legendary Tales, also coming to PSVR 2 and PCVR. Uh, this will be out next week, or this week, February 8th on Thursday. Uh, currently in ac- uh, early access on PC VR. So uh, this is yeah an action RPG in uh, VR, uh, as they describe it as a next generation action VR for or action RPG for v- VR platforms. A dungeon crawling adventure where you go and a group of friends can travel, um, travel together into dungeons and defeat monsters, collect loot, and explore the mysteries of the cl- the corrupted land. It had a very physics-based fighting system, so you can grab enemies and uh, hit them in a number of ways to cause damage to them. So that looked pretty neat, even to the point you can grabbing them on the head and just kind of smashing them into the ground, that kind of stuff. So that looks like that could be pretty cool. And that'll be out this uh, this week, so that's a nice surprise. Uh, and then we got a, a bit of a weird block here of games that are coming out the same day that Sony decided put both of them right next to each other. So we got Dragon's Dogma 2 showing off some more action uh, for that game. So that looks pretty cool. Um, Yeah, they introduced the new Warfare location uh, exclusive to the Arisen, uh, which can access all weapons as well as mysterious threat plaguing the Arisen's oil pond companions. So that's pretty neat. And yeah, we got to see some some more good action. That game looks like it could be pretty cool. And kind of the, the ultimate version of what that that original game could have been. So yeah, there you go for that. And then, yeah, uh, next up here, Rise of the Ronin. So I decided to put their game that's also out that same day, uh, right next to uh, Dragon's Dogma, also out March 22nd. We got a nice four-minute trailer showing off the entire kind of uh, scope of the game big open world to explore you can have some weird tech that kind of seems very assassin's creed-ish in terms of 
uh, things that maybe you wouldn't expect to be out in this era of uh, Japan in the late 19th century. But you have like grappling hooks and uh, gliders and all that kind of stuff to get around in some really fun ways. Um, and some some of that kind of fun combat that they have been doing with like Neo and some of their other stuff. So that looks like they're going to be a pretty fun time. As well as you have some some guns and such. So even like using bayonets to do melee and uh, gun you know combat stuff. So it looks like it could be a pretty fun time for March. So there you go with that stuff. So uh, let's see. And then, yeah, next, Sony announced another game is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Until Dawn, a new yep. uh, remake of the original game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe rebuilt in Unreal Engine Five, mm-hmm. and so with that, kind of the the characters kind of look a little bit different, but they're also adding some new stuff to this game. Uh, yeah, they're adding more uh, gameplay stuff, some more areas to explore, uh, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the original Until Dawn is a fantastic game, very mm-hmm. fun kind of emulation of the. Your typical teen cult horror kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, with some little supernatural stuff with uh, the Wendigos and all that. Yep. Uh, this looks like it could be a really, really fun uh, expansion to that game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's coming to PS5 and PC. So PC people will be able to check that out. So that'll be pretty cool to see. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think the original Until Dawn might be free for... Uh... PS Plus users, and uh, I don't know, but I don't know about you guys, but like the the, the trailer that, that that we saw kind of made it seem like it wasn't until done, but it clearly was. And I don't know, I also wasn't very impressed with the visuals, at least from what they've shown. Maybe like we'll we'll see more as we as we move forward, but I don't know, it didn't really feel like it was that big of a remaster. It was, and um, I don't really think I needed needed one, but it's what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's that, and then we got a Kojima block. Here, as people were uh, maybe hoping for some Death Stranding 2 news, uh, which he did announce the title Death Stranding 2 on the beach. Uh, because And then just put out a trailer that if you thought you had seen how weird Death Stranding could be, uh, Death Stranding 2 is going to be even weirder with this trailer. Yep. As we saw the baby in the throat thing, but he's got the, the little black goop crying out of his ears and then a little drone flies out of his mouth. So, sure. Uh, yeah, Leia Sado's character has weird hand mask thing mm-hmm. that acts like, say, the weird hand coat hangers from the original Willy Wonka movie, mm-hmm. but they're hanging around her neck. That's really creepy looking. And there's a talking puppet mm-hmm. that moves in like 24 frames per second uh, versus everybody else being like a smooth 60. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Um, yeah, a lot of weird stuff. Norman Reese's character is got like gray hair and all that, and then just yeah turns back into young Norman Reese. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here. There's more. It's 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 Hideo Kojima. Yeah, you know, um, that's, Troy that's Baker's character is back, and he's he's got a weird crow thing going on. Uh, it also has a guitar that plays music from the original game mm-hmm. as he's fighting enemies with that guitar so i don't know i don't know what's going on yeah like 
for, for me, like that, that was the uh, moment that made the trailer. Uh, I don't care at all about Death Stranding at all, just because of what I played. You know, when I played it, but that uh, guitar gun was uh, that was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's see. He's yeah. He's got Elle Fanning. We saw a bit of her in this game, uh, so that's cool. Um, Chili Kutsuna, and I guess he's also working with director George Miller. Mm. So of course, sure. Uh, yeah, I believe the story is that they're going to Europe to help do the thing that they did in the U.S. Uh, in Europe. Because, of course, sure. Uh, so, yeah. A lot of fun stuff. That'll be out next year. Uh, they put a big, fat 2025 on there at the end uh, to let you know it's not coming out anytime soon. But maybe it'll be out early next year. Who knows? Mm. And then they had a little bit at the end with uh, Herman Halst and Kojima standing in a, a warehouse and uh, where they talked about how his next game that he's working on for PlayStation is a next-generation action ex- espionage game. Mm-hmm. Basically making his follow-up to the Metal Gear series, not not you know canonically or whatever, but probably gameplay-wise, building on a lot of concepts. He was thinking about with Metal Gear Solid Five that never really got to be put to its full potential mm-hmm. because of the way that development got interrupted on that. Yeah. And just kind of wrapped up at the end quickly and quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As he says, it'll be a brand new original IP, a next generation X action espionage game. Uh, they didn't really say a name for this, but the the little bit there ended with a big drone shot, leaving the, the studio they were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going out to like the the front of like the Sony Pictures lot they were on, and you see the the words "physint" on it. P H Y S I N T is in like physical intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a stealth spy term, whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's a fun thing. And as he says here, it's not even going to be starting development until the end of Death Stranding Two. So mm. that's going to be probably in a near end of the generation of the end of the decade game. Mm-hmm. So don't expect that to like maybe 2028 at the earliest. Oh yeah. That's going to be off, uh, off for a good bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's weird, but that's cool. He gets to work on a new thing like that mm-hmm. as he's got a bunch of irons in the fire now. Yep. With death stranding with, uh, the Xbox game and Fizzent. Uh, so he's got a lot there. And they kind of ended it with uh, saying that there's going to be a state of play this week for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, mm-hmm. potentially with the uh, release of a of a demo for the game. So mm-hmm. people may be able to try it out here as soon as Tuesday. So that could be neat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they'll probably show more off of uh, the other characters and such and probably the big open world and all that. So yep. That looks uh, like that should be a fun show. Uh, Uh Let's see. It'll be on February 6th at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. So Uh uh, that'll be a fun little uh, show to see. So Uh that's the state of play. Uh, Pretty good showing. Oh, yeah. Bunch of stuff coming out in the near future as well as uh, times where there's no date on anything. Maybe the end Uh of the year. Who knows? But. Uh, some stuff that's been kicked down the can, you know, mm. can kick down the road for a bit. So, uh, Brandon, what did you like out of this show? 
Uh, let's see. Obviously, Death Stranding 2 is definitely something that got me interested. I I loved the first Death Stranding, and I completely understand why others wouldn't. Um, I And remember, I played the original version before the the sort of extend, expanded version that you can get now, which had more action involved in it. Um, the first game really is a serious slow burn, and you have to kind of stick with it, but I found it incredibly rewarding. And, you know, Kojima's madness is, you know, just it's a lot of fun to experience. So I'm uh, excited to see, you know, what the sequel is going to be like. Um, I was also kind of interested in Stellar Blade as well. It kind of reminded me of Nier Automata um, and in a lot of ways. And, you know, I like that type of game. So there was that. Um, that was uh, more or less it. Um, Judas did look kind of interesting, um, but it does seem like another Bioshock retread. So I'll have to wait and see on that one. That yeah. was pretty much it. How would you, Dan Rip? Yeah, um, barring the fact that they didn't have enough dates, in my opinion, I thought this was PlayStation's uh, best state of play uh, by far. You know, you have a, a whole different um, set of the, the different genres for games. Uh, you have uh, dates for the main things we were going to talk about, which were Stellar Blade and um, what's the other one? Uh, the Rise of the Ronin. And yeah, yeah the, the, those are two games that are, that are now on my radar. Uh, obviously, Stellar Blade has been there for a while because we've, we've seen so much of it. Um, and it's kind of weird because I think that, um, the trailer and footage shown, like, I don't know, the, the vibe just wasn't there. It didn't really seem all that interesting, but like a lot of the, uh, gameplay components, um, are things that I am into. So this is definitely something that I look forward to playing in April. And then moving on to Rise of the Ronin, um, I was sold like five minutes or not, not five minutes, but you know, 15 seconds into the trailer. As soon as I saw the wings, I was like, okay, this is what, this is what, what I want to play. Um, mm. drew a lot of parallels to uh, Ghost of Tsushima for me. I'm sure mm. it'll be much harder, given that it's a Team Ninja game. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that uh, I want to try. And um, yeah, uh, as far as other um, highlights, um, Until Dawn, you know, it, it was interesting, even though that I don't think it, it, it needs it needs another one. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 had a pretty nice showing along with the date. Uh, also, unfortunately, on the same day as uh, Rise of the Ronin. And mm. um yeah, uh, yeah, Sonic and Shadow was definitely a surprise too. And then I also wanted to give some love to Silent Hill. Like, it's not a genre I care about, but I know a lot of people are excited about that. So, cool stuff there. The VR was to me like a little out of place. It's funny because before, before the PSVR two became a thing, uh, Sony would have to warn us saying that, "Hey, there's not going to be any uh, PSVR footage, so don't expect any." And now all of a sudden, like they're they're sneaking it in there. Like I don't know, mm -hmm. like. I, I personally forgot that the, the thing even came out. So that, that that's how like irrelevant uh, it is to me now. But um, yeah, um, I already talked about Death Stranding 2 on the beach. Uh, I do think the title is kind of stupid, but you know, uh, it is what it is. And that guitar hero or that guitar uh, weapon looks awesome. And um, Fizzent, you know, I, I just learned about the, title the beach today. thing. The beach thing is lore related. Gotcha. Because the beach is basically in that universe. It's basically where you go on to the afterlife. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, at least I, I know it has real meaning. And, yeah, um, yeah the um, having them zoom out of um, Paramount Pictures uh, was pretty awesome because it, it, it just shows that, you know, PlayStation is more than just a game brand now. Even though this whole thing was about games, like, it's showing, like, just how powerful 
uh, Sony is as an entertainment entity. And, you know, having the the collaboration with uh, Hideo Kojima is definitely going to be a big deal, especially if Fizzit ends up being what they want it to be. So, yeah, it was definitely uh, cool to see, um, you know, Sony brag, if you will, uh, in that way. And then the end announcement, um, you know, with State of Play coming back on February 6th for a Final Fantasy Rebirth, I don't think is really necessary. I think everybody who wants that game is going to get it. And I don't think they're going to be able to convince anybody uh, with this upcoming presentation. But hey, marketing dollars speak. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, again, this was the best state of play they've, they've done. Uh, if not ever, then definitely in a while. Yeah, especially as the the narrative for this year seems to be that, uh, or was shaping out to be like Sony has nothing coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've shown at least they've got a handful of things coming out here yep. in the near future with Helldivers, uh, Stellar Blade in April, and will be the show in March. Um, Rise of the Ronin in March. So yeah, that's uh, until dawn at some point this year. Yeah, I think like the argument stems from the fact that maybe it's PlayStation Studios specifically that mm. might not have much because the only game you mentioned that they actually did is the show. Um, all of these other um, games are third-party studios, except that they are published by Sony. So that, that that's the big mm. difference there. Yeah, they're all PlayStation published. Um, but yeah, this uh, shaping up to be a pretty good year. Uh, yep. We're still kind of unsure about things happening beyond like April. At this point, as people are just saying 2024, probably to hedge their bets on, you know, development difficulties that will eventually happen. So, but uh, yeah, it's looking pretty nice here for the next couple of months. So we'll see how things go for uh, the future. But yeah, uh, nice to see the first of the the big platform showcases for mm-hmm. the year happening already. So look forward to seeing if there's a Nintendo Direct coming anytime soon, mm. as Nintendo people are expecting at some point. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the show this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Brandon Denver for joining. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a new slate of news and games to talk about. Mm. Uh, as we've got games coming out this week, uh, we got uh, Helldivers 2. Uh, we got Legendary Tales. We got uh, mm-hmm. Foam Stars and a you know a few other smaller things. It's oh, nothing yeah. really too huge this week, but I think I will probably get Helldivers 2 this week. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, if you enjoy the show, if you let friends and family know, they should check it out and select strangers uh, that are also excited about games coming out. So, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you have a good week ahead, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.